Hey everybody, happy Saturday and welcome back to For Eternity and Until. We are nearing the end of this season. Our last episode is going to be the last week of November. And in the coming weeks, I have a lot of incredible interviews lined up, but today we did not have an interview available to upload. So what I have done is I'm giving you a sneak peek into our Ephesians Bible study and uploading lesson three. And the reason why I chose lesson three of all of the 12 lessons in the audio Bible study was because it houses one of my all-time favorite verses, Ephesians 2.10, which says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's the truth. You have been created in the image of God, and before the foundation of the world, you were given. You. Yes, you, good works that only you can accomplish in your life. And you're a workmanship of Christ, which means that you are very much in process. And this verse actually comes at the very end of a series of 10 verses that speak first and foremost about what God has accomplished and finished on your behalf so that we can do this good work. It's really easy for us to jump straight to the doing But we need the context for how we are empowered to be able to do what God has called us to do. And uh, this verse is very much one of the reasons why this podcast even existed. It's because I had to step into believing the truth that God had created me with gifts for his glory and for your good listening to this podcast. And so I'm praying that this blesses you. And I'm also praying that you join us for the rest of the lessons. We have 12 audio lessons. You can go to foreternityandentil.com to download it. And uh, it comes with a 30-page ebook. And if you use the code UNTIL, you can get $5 off of the Ephesians Bible study. Maybe grab a friend, text them the link, do it with a buddy. But the whole idea, because so many of us are like, man, I just don't have the brain capacity and time to do a Bible study. (laughs) This is much less Bible study, and it's more like me virtually sitting on a couch with you reading the Bible and giving you a couple questions to think about or verbally process with a friend afterwards. It's not an in-depth Bible study, but it is enough to get you thinking about God's word and get it deeply planted into your life and heart and practically walk it out and live it out in your everyday lives. I love you so much. God bless you as you listen to this episode and we'll talk to you next week. You're listening to For Eternity and Until. Where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori Mayhine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. Hello, my friends. I'm sitting in my sunroom with a bouquet of, what are these flowers? Daffodils. (laughs) And it's totally filling my entire sunroom up with the smell of daffodils. It's beautiful. The sun is setting. I'm just trying to give you a picture right now because it's really beautiful. The sun is setting over the mountains as I look out my sunroom and the last hour I've been sitting in the book of Ephesians reading chapter two and praying through it and letting these words sink deep into my heart and deep into my soul 
I hope that you, wherever this recording is finding you, will be able to really enter in. There's a difference between setting aside to do a Bible study and there's a whole deeper level when we choose to enter in. When was the last time that you just sat in God's presence and told him you loved him and read the Bible like it was written to you and for you? Because it was, not only for you, but you hold the word of God in your hands right now. Let that sink in. How powerful is that? How life-changing is that? And these words in Ephesians in chapter two are words that really shape our entire view of the gospel, our view of ourselves, our view of God, his character, what he saved us from, and what he saved us for. This is a group of four of 10 verses that I really hope you take the time to familiarize yourself deeply with. You could use this as an outline to explain to a brand new believer what we believe as Christians as a very simple summary of the gospel, our condition, what we needed saving from, what God did, and the result of our identity in him, and then what we're called to do after this saving. It's all here in this group of 10 verses. So you hear pastors and teachers come back to this passage a lot. This is an anchor for this letter, and it's so beautifully written. As always, we are going to read it together, and then line by line, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to draw out the depths of this message and what it means for you and me. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power, of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. So verse one says you were dead. (laughs) You were dead in your trespasses and your sins. 
in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This is our reality apart from Christ. Like I was sitting with some friends at the gym the other day and somebody said, you know, I just really do believe that if people do their very, very best to be a good person, that God honors that. And I was like, you know, it just sounds so wonderful to be able to say something like that, right? But the reality is, is that if we're actually believing the Bible, and if you're, if we're talking one Christian to another, our faith lays it out really, really clear to us that apart from Christ, we can do nothing, which means if we, it doesn't matter how hard we try to be a really, really good person, we are not good if we are not in Christ. You see this pattern and word used over and over again in Ephesians in Christ for those who are in him, in him, this work that God has done in us for salvation, that he saved us and and raised us was his work. If we are in him, then we're raised. But apart from him, we are dead, dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin. And, and we like it. (laughs) I mean, we chose this. And this is a reality, not just for, you know, me or you on the other side, listening to this recording. This is a reality for all mankind. We, it, cause he says in verse two, in which you once walked following the course of the air. And he says, this is the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived. We all, this is our condition as a human race. Now, when it talks about sins and trespasses, what was the original sin even in the Garden of Eden? It was this choosing of our own will, our own wisdom over God's wisdom. That's really the core of everything else that springs from it. Choosing my wisdom in my definition of sexuality or Choosing my own wisdom and how I manage my money. Choosing my own wisdom and will according to how I treat other people and the means from which I navigate through my life. This all, when we are born, is me-centered, my will-centered. It's very selfish. When Christ comes into the mix, though, we have a different perspective. So This whole first three verses is all about our condition. Verse one, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Verse two, we're following an authority, but we're following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience. This is is our spirit collectively that is at work within the sons of disobedience. Um, But this is also a a power and authority. The prince of the air is another name for Satan. We're following him. What did he do? He was the first one to choose his own will and his own wisdom, and he was cast out of heaven. And from that moment on, he's positioned himself against anything related to the kingdom of God. And that includes you, and it includes me, because what does it say in verse 10? We are his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he called us before the beginning of time to walk out. So is he against you? Yes. 
Is Christ against you? No. Christ is for you, not against you. And so this is our condition, which the whole first chapter that we already went through talks about you know, these incredible heavenly blessings that we have been first reconciled to God. That's the first half of verse of chapter one. And then the second half of chapter one is all about us being reconciled to one another. But we can't really just sit in the awe of this reality of reconciliation without understanding the true reality of our separation apart from Christ. And that's what verses one through three really focus on. We have all once lived in these passions of our flesh. It says in verse three, carrying out the desires of our body and the desires of our mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath. That means that in me, no matter what I could muster in my own strength, the reality is is that I deserve wrath. That's what my works could earn me because I am a son of disobedience. I am a daughter of disobedience. And apart from Christ, I do. I follow the passions of my flesh and my body and my mind. I position myself against God like the rest of mankind. And it says specifically mind and body, right? Because When we're working apart from the spirit, we're working according to the flesh. But you were created with this third aspect. You are not just body and mind. You are body, mind, and spirit. So once God gets in you, you're empowered with this Holy Spirit that gives you the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, self-control over my bodily desires, self-control over my mind. That's why you could read a verse like, you know, take every thought captive. And you can't do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, apart from the presence of God. This is a working of God in him. We are made alive. That's what it's going to. So Let me pause really fast. We can read these verses about our condition apart from God. And if shame is getting into you right now as you're reading it and you're thinking, I'm too far gone and I struggle with this huge sin issue or this was this is the reality that I was born with as an individual. I've never not known a day where I've been enslaved to the desires of my flesh, the desires of my mind and my body. I just look at you and I say, welcome to good company. I don't care if it's homosexuality or if it's lust or pride, prone to deceit, jealousy, anger. Come, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. There is an open door for you from God. He wants to realign you with everything that he has created you to be. And bring your, bring your story. Bring this hurt. Bring this wrong that's been done against you. Bring these burdens and these sin cycles and these patterns of unbelief. Bring them. They're welcome here, but don't stay here too long. Too many Christians camp in on this, woe is me, I'm terrible, apart from God, I'm just a worm, 
you know, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms sort of identity. This is not your identity in Christ. This is your identity apart from Christ. Please be aware of this because if you are failing to see yourself in the image of God, made in the image of God, redeemed, restored in Christ by repeating these verse one two and three as this is still my reality and like if I just still slip back into these patterns of you know sin or this reality of my existence in my mind and my body then it probably doesn't mean that I'm saved we're learning this hopefully very concretely in this lesson that you have been saved by grace And what a joy it is to be saved by the grace of God because it removes you from this compulsive fear that you can't ever measure up because it's not about you doing anything. It also releases you from competition with other believers and it releases you from the strife cycles that we can sometimes find ourselves in where we begin this relationship building with Christ based on our works rather than on his grace. Oh, but it's his grace and it's sufficient for you no matter what you're bringing to the table, my friend, no matter what your background, no matter what your story. So let's keep reading. It says in verse four, but God, what a fantastic (laughs) transition especially after verses one, two, three, kind of like, oh, that really makes me feel super icky. I'm by nature, a child of wrath, like the rest of mankind. By nature, I'm, I'm enslaved willfully to the desires of my flesh and my sin. How in the world am I supposed to escape from this? How is anything supposed to change if this is my reality and my nature? It says, but God, and now we're going to learn about God's character. This is who our God is. In verse four, it says, but God being rich in mercy, this is his first characteristic. He is merciful because of his great love. This is his second characteristic mentioned here. He is loving with which he loved us. And he loved us when we got our act together. He loved us when we started, you know, offering our time and our money to nonprofits and feeding the poor. No, he offered this love to us even when we were dead, dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. Did you hear that? (laughs) Did you hear that? Is it in you yet? Is this reality in you yet? Because although our nature is prone toward disobedience and we're enslaved to our own passions and desires, we have a God that is merciful enough, loving enough, full of grace and kindness. We're going to read that later in verse 7. That he, when we were dead in our own wrongdoing, made us alive together with Christ. So it says, by grace, you have been saved. You are saved. It's by his grace, this grace where God's righteousness was given to us at Christ's expense. This is the focus of the passage. It's not on how dirty, rotten of a sinner you are. It's on the work of Christ on the cross for redemption. God has saved you. 
by grace you have been saved. And not just saved, but raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. If you read or went through the first two lessons, then you know that this phrase in heavenly places is repeated. This blessing, every spiritual blessing he's given to us in heavenly places. And Christ is seated. He is not dead any longer. He is alive and he's sitting at the right hand of the father in heavenly places. And where is us? where are we? We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, so let's back up. You were saved by grace. Okay. You were saved by grace, but what were you saved for is kind of the next question. So why, why would God go through all that he went through to send his son, Jesus, to take on the embodiment of his creation, live a perfectly submitted life before the father and willfully lay his life down for the sins of the world, go down into the grave, rise up again three days later, conquering hell and death and giving us gracefully, giving us the gift of faith and direct access to the father so that we can just sit in his presence and say, I love you. I love you. I have direct access. Your spirit is alive in me and I can enter in whether I'm in my backyard or my sunroom or my car or wherever. That is a work of Christ. It's, it changes the reality in which we see ourselves and how we see God. Because if we're only focusing on verses one through three, then we, and we're focused on how dirty, rotten of a sinner we are, then we become fearful of God. We become fearful of him because we know that we deserve judgment. But in our deserving judgment, God met us with mercy and love and grace and kindness. This is our God. And for anyone who rejects this mercy and love and grace and kindness, they will still live in the fullness of the presence of God, but it will not be in the presence of his mercy and love and grace and kindness. It will be in the presence of his justice and wrath and anger. And that's a big deal because although we cannot have a perfectly loving and merciful and kind and graceful God without also having the presence of a perfectly merciful and good God. And so justice is a part of this. But focus on what is available to you, available to me, available to the entire world. His sacrifice was sufficient. It says, God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So he has seated us in heavenly places. Verse seven, so that, so now we're gonna learn what we are, we, we understand our reality. We understand that we were saved by grace and now we need to know what were we saved by grace for. Verse seven, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable richness of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. There's that in Christ Jesus phrase again. This kindness is given to us because we have identified ourselves fully in Christ, submitted fully to Christ. We were dead. Remember, dead dead girls, we can't do nothing for ourselves. (laughs) 
If you are dead, you are dead. So in Christ, he raised us up. And that means that our identity, who we are before encountering God, before giving our lives to Christ, is stays dead. The only part of us that is alive is that which is alive in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, 4, by grace, so he's reiterating, by grace you've been saved, and through faith, through faith. So you are saved by grace, through faith. And how do we get this faith? We get this faith as a gift of God. This is not of your own our own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that nobody can boast. This is a gift, not a reward. This is not something that you achieved or earned. And yet so many times we do feel as if it's our, the only way we can come before God is if we clean ourselves up first. And somehow if our actions and our behaviors are better that we feel a little bit more holy. That's that competitiveness that can sometimes come up in the church. If you're living fully in the grace of God, then you know that there's no such thing as competition between the saints. We were all given a gift that was unmerited, that we didn't deserve because of God's mercy. So it's not a result of your works. That means that you can't be prideful about this. So when we see the presence of judgment and pride and better than a lack of humility um, within the church, whether they're leaders or congregants, this is evidence of them not fully understanding that this grace that was given to them was a gift from God. And God can decide to give this grace and this gift of faith to whomever he chooses. And from the beginning of time, this has always made people frustrated and angry. It made the Pharisees and even the Jewish people very angry. The Gentiles are getting grafted into the promise that we kept with God and that God made directly with us. We preserved the line for the Messiah. And then now the Gentiles just get a piece of the pie that we created. How fair is that? I, I, you know, I'm sitting here as a measure of grace. I'm not Jewish. Um, so, you know, the Pharisees had a problem with this. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this, is, this is our thing. And you see this spirit start rising up in people when they step out of their, the perspective of the grace of God and they start taking on that law mentality again where it's based on their own works. It's, it's the message that says that you can earn it and deserve it. And once you have it, then you've got to keep up with it. That's a lie. Some believers come to God understanding that grace for my salvation has to be met in you. But then from that moment on, they try to work out the process of knowing and loving God through their own ability. And that is not living in grace. It's not living in grace. For by grace through faith, you've been saved. It's not of your own doing. It is a gift, not a result of works that no one can boast. Okay, so last verse, verse 10. This is a verse that has been um, a cornerstone for my life. It's one of my very favorite verses. It says that for we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. 
Now, it's so important, even the the process in which Paul reveals this uh, huge you know, truth to us is that verse 10 does not come before verses eight and nine. Verses eight and nine come before verse 10. But sometimes we run to that verse 10. I've been created in Christ Jesus. I am his workmanship and I'm created to do good works, which God planned before the beginning of time for me to walk in. But if we don't understand that verse within the context of verses eight and nine, where he's like, you're dead in your trespasses and you were saved by grace through faith. You can't boast about it. You can't earn it. This is a gift. It's not a result of your works. Okay, great. So you were saved by grace, but you were saved for good works. So this is the result of our lives. When we encounter God for himself. It does. It changes everything about us. I've seen this in the lives of so many people. They have an encounter with God and the reality in which the trajectory of their life, everything that they that they set their foundation for their life on is all shook up because they're like, I am aware now of an eternal reality. My moments until I get to this eternal reality are going to change because of this truth that I now have that I have been saved by grace through faith and that others are still dead in their sin and their trespasses and need an encounter with God, need this grace through faith. And because God is alive in me, I can offer that to them. I can offer that to them. So this is, you were created in Christ Jesus and the good works that you, that are you're listening to this on the other side of this recording, that you were destined for, They were created specifically by you, your talents and your giftings, your position and your family, your children or lack of children, your marriage, lack of marriage. Maybe you're single. Um, Maybe you're going to stay single the whole rest of your life. Maybe you're married. I, you know, there's so many different factors, of course, of our, our relationships and our ability and our workplace and where you live and what time frame you were born in, your background, your history, the way you look, the color of your eyes, the color of your hair, the color of your skin. God destined it all. He has purpose for it all. You were saved by grace through faith a workmanship, beautifully crafted masterpiece of God that is still unfolding, this glorious unfolding of the work that God is doing in and through your life, created in him, in his identity, for good works that he's prepared for you, that you should walk in them. How does this change the reality of how you see your every day? I hope it does change your reality. Because... Nothing about you is on accident. No part of your story is wasted. No part of your story is wasted when it's in the hands of God himself. Because all of these things, the grace in which you're saved and raised and the works that you were saved for, they're all a gift. They're all a gift from God. So how does this change the way that you see your life, the way that you see God and how he's already at work in and through you now? Even you being here now, participating in this study of Ephesians is evidence of God at work in your life. So I hope that God blesses you and meets you and continues to grow you through this process. I'll catch you for the next lesson. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.